Hey, happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> that was slick. You just floated onto the screen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. That was nice. A little floating head. Green screen in the background. So. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Tone. <laughs> Welcome to Tone Talk um, with Mark Yazansky and Dave Friedman. I'm choking. Uh, it's episode 130, and we've got an awesome guest from Russian Circles, Mike Sullivan. What's up, Mike? Hi guys, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining. And uh, our first show of 2023. There you go. Goes mm. down in history. Nice. It's in the books. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, cool. Let's call it. Call All it. All right, it's done. We're, We're done. Uh, I hope everybody's doing good in the chat. It's good to see everybody back. Uh, yeah, easy for me to say. I know, right? I get all choked up when I when I do this show, you know? Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you guys are crazy nervous. It's okay. Just, yeah, it just brings on. Drink, take it easy. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm actually. You can I, fix it. You can fix it with something. Yeah, there you I was go. Gonna say, I have no no alcohol tonight. I was um, hemming and hawing whether I was going to do it, and the last second, I ran to the corner store. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and uh, what are we drinking? I was we're drinking uh, Casa Amigos. Oh, nice. Reposado. Oops. Reposado. What does that taste like? I've never had that. Is it sweet? Well, I'm, my favorite tequila of all time is Clase Azul, which is that big white and blue fluted beautiful bottle. Right. Um, all right. Oh, and it, that tastes tequila. like kind of sweet caramel to me. Mm. Uh, this is kind of the uh, cheap version of the sweet caramel. Mm. It's not as sweet. At, I don't know if I'd call it sweet, but it's not as seemingly sweet. And... Uh, it's quite good for the budget, <clears throat> about half the price. Uh, and the bottle's not as nice, unfortunately. No, but they sold it for a lot more money than anyone ever. <laughs> really? Well, I think they sold it for $1 billion. Oh, my God. The three partners, was George Clooney and uh, Randy Gerber, and uh, the other guy escapes me. Yeah, actually, that's that's what uh, Jonathan Shap says. He says Caso Amigos worked really well for the three wise men that started it. Worked really well, huh? Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's I can't imagine even even think about this even uh, after your taxes and after whoever lawyers and whoever else you have to pay, you're still left with a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Mike. I, Time to start an alcohol company. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, that's kind of why. Well, surely the yeah. music industry isn't profitable anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You make millions of dollars on tour, right? Right, of course. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually kind of stowed away in my little uh, winter cottage just to get away from things, just to focus for a while. But uh, I have a monthly abode, you know, across North America. So if anything, yeah. I'm just trying to get rid of money at this point, you know. Yeah, burning <laughs> that's, it. That's my main stress. Where to where to invest at this point? Your <laughs> <laughs> company is on the list, so. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's almost seems like every rock star has it. I know Sam Sammy made a ton of money, and then he started another one. Did he? Well, he didn't make a, a billion dollars or trillion or whatever it was. Did I say a billion? I don't know what it was. But he made a but shitload the, of money off of the He sold it twice. He sold it uh, first time for sold it for like 80 million dollars and then uh kept a 25% share in it. 
and then sold it again for another eighty million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. And then started a couple other liquor brands. Santos with Guy Fieri. Oh, really? Santos, uh, what is it? Uh, Mexiquila or something, which is a mezcal slash tequila hybrid. (laughs) Red Rocker friendly. (laughs) You know, I had it. It's not, it's okay. (laughs) It's not great. Mm. All right. So, Mike, you guys, uh, you know, Dave turned me on to your band. Um, because I had not heard of you guys before. Uh, so I went back through your albums. I, had, I didn't realize you guys have albums way back to 2006. Yeah. When did the band start? Uh, 2004. Uh, the drummer Dave and I started jamming. He was living in St. Louis at the time, and I was up in Chicago. We were old buds. We played in a punk band in high school way back in the day. And both of our respective bands had broken up right before Russian circles began. And we thought, hey, let's let's jam. So I drove down there just to mess around and, you know, jam essentially and see what happened. And the chemistry was there. And we thought, all right, this something's here. So he moved up to Chicago within what feels like weeks. I don't know, but there was something there that we couldn't ignore. And he moved up to Chicago, moved in with me and another friend and we just jammed every day for months and months. We'd go to the practice space and just horse around until we were happy with arrangements. But it was fun. Just barely trying things out and seeing what was comfortable. Mm-hmm. Did you always intended to intend it to be instrumental? Or was at first you were like, you weren't sure where, what was going on? Uh, not necessarily. My prior band of Russian circles was also instrumental. So I was comfortable in that world of living a vocal free life, you know, and I still needed to learn a lot about composition and writing at that point, but we weren't looking for a singer, but we were open-minded for sure. Like even the first like few months or so, a friend of ours was playing keyboards and adding some noise elements or maybe one practice. It didn't work out ultimately, but we were open-minded to if, an amazing vocalist seemed right. We would have uh-huh. tried them out for sure. It wasn't like we will, we want, we are definitely this and not that. We were mm-hmm. open. we were a malleable band at that point, and just kind of having fun and seeing what. There was no expectations, no name, you know, recognition really. So we were just free to have fun. But once we booked a first show and kind of played a show as three piece, we thought, all right, this is working, and. Most there's a lot of music I love that we love that's instrumental of various genres, so it wasn't weird or groundbreaking or weird to a or a, a new concept to be instrumental. That was something we were very familiar with at the time. Mm. Yeah, that that's like what bands were you uh, influenced by? Would you say? Um, it was a lot of late '90s or mid '90s to late '90s kind of heavy, uh, not quite metal, but indie rock kind of bands like Don Caballero Mm. and the fucking champs who are more of a metal based band that was based on a lot of guitar harmonies and bands like Tristeza, the album leaf Mogwai was a big one. 
Godspeed, Black Emperor, um, Oxes, a lot of that underground scene, the whole DIY thing. We came from the punk rock world. And so all those bands were of that ilk. So it, it wasn't so much metal based as it was more of independent spirit. I grew up loving metal and then kind of got found my way into the punk stuff. And then through bands like Fucking Champs and Mastodon, started working my way back towards the heavier side of things. And then that was from Russian circles right away. It started to be heavy. The previous band was more mathy that I was in, and it wasn't as grounded. But Russian circles had way more of a metal element out of the gate, you know. So that kind of the first song set the path for us. Like, oh, we're heavy. Okay, cool. Let's lean into that. So each record, we kind of just lean into that even more. And that's the most fun to play live. But we didn't know exactly if it'd be heavy or not until like the first few practices. Like, damn, this has got some weight to it. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. We didn't try to do that. It just It's just the way it sounded naturally. Yeah. And I have to say, we were friends with the band Pelican. We shared a practice space with them. And they were a huge influence on us musically and just how to operate as a band in Chicago. And I, I don't know if you know them or not, but they're a great band, great people. Yeah, Pelican's a name. And they would just throw us on shows. Oh, you need a booking agent? Here you go. Come with us here. And oh, they were really kind to us from the get-go. But they're an incredibly heavy band, very doomy band, way before that was super popular, short of bands like Sleep and whatnot. But they were also, they were an influence for sure on us. Like that. Would definitely say so. Well, I know from... Um experience you're probably really lucky not to have a singer in the band (laughs) (laughs) that's the joke i was gonna use oh man i stole it huh (laughs) we're we're doing just fine we're all humble dudes who don't want the limelight so i think we wouldn't jive well with with you know we don't need david lee roth in our band i love him he is but i don't think that fit the bill you know right exactly exactly hey by the way i want to mention uh our our sponsors sweetwater.com make sure you guys use our link if you're going to purchase anything please uh it's an affiliate link and you know we get a little kickback from sweetwater um doesn't cost you anything extra but just use the link below in the description of the video uh check out our store below we have shirts and stuff for sale and then also uh fixpedalboards.com check them out uh tim over at fixpedalboards.com has lots of stuff that'll help with your pedal boards and other products okay um almost sounds like you're finally getting getting it really finally delivering the the message (laughs) (laughs) it only took six years (laughs) and give a shout out to my sweetwater rep tom maxwell thanks for all the emails tom i'm I'm doing great thanks for uh (laughs) did he call you recently He's, he's on it, man. Tom's on it. I may have given him like a, hey, I'm good here. We can keep this a digital only uh, relationship. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Call me. <laughs> Send me some candy. I, I I have a guy, Robert Williams, there that takes care of me. But Shout out. It's yep. uh, more of a kind of um, I'll buy things from them for rigs that I'm doing for people or, or things like that sometimes. And like, 
give me a little break on stuff because I'm also a vendor, you know, there um, with products. But that's cool. Shout out to Robert. We love Robert and Randy Poteet. That's what your guy. Well. Yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> yeah, and then also uh, the people who we work with with for the affiliate, uh, Tyler and and Josh. You guys, you guys rock. So they're a great organization. They really are. Um, I just saw. Sure, uh, makes life easier, and it also makes life really nice because you don't have to necessarily go somewhere to buy the stuff like Guitar Center or you know, mm-hmm. you know. It's you know it's a catch twenty two. I find myself maybe because I'm an old geezer at this point, but I find myself like wanting to still go to a store, you know, get out, go go somewhere and see what they have. But on the if other hand, it was hand, a cool store, but you know, oh yeah, not, I mean, I I go to the same store. Not very many good stores in L.A. No, surprisingly, well, here in Florida, it's the same way. I mean, it's the same inventory, the same shit. Unfortunately. So, yeah sometimes, just... yeah, sometimes it's like a record store where you want to go to the used section. The most mm-hmm. exciting part of a guitar store is usually, you know, the re- used stuff. So, if you go to yeah. some of those, and the only thing that's kind of going to be interesting is do they have any weird gems or weird one offs here? But cool vintage stores, <laughs> what's going to be in there? So, yeah, like Chicago has a handful of great stores, obviously, sure. CME, but rock and roll vintage, and yeah. other guitar stores that. You don't know what's going to be in there. And there's going to be something affordable that isn't a year's wage, you know, mm-hmm. to get into it. But it's those are always exciting, those stores where it's worth checking out no matter what. Always dip in. If you're going by, dip in because you might find some weird shit, you know. And that's a holdover from pre-internet, you know, where you didn't always buy online. You'd just dip in the stores and you never knew what they had. But I, Chicago, I, I got to say, is one of my favorite cities for – doing that always dropping in and, and yeah. like, it's dangerous you walk out of there with less money than you had prior <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah cme and yeah yeah, yeah. in new I've york it was 48th street uh i mean excuse me um what was the, the place i forget the name of the the 28th street music or something like that there was there was a store that had tons of stuff uh mm-hmm. like old pedals and but it's been a while since I've been there. But like you said, I mean, they, when I went in, I bought a uh, JCM 800 there and had it shipped back home to me. This is a few years ago. Uh, you know, maybe. There uh, used to be there used to be a great place in L.A. years ago. Um, might have been called Guitar Guitar or something at the time or something. And it was uh, it was great. It was it was almost all used and it was huge. And you'd walk in and it'd just be like marshals lined up, old guitars, bins of $20 pedals and, and more expensive pedals. And just, just, and you were like, Ooh, what am I going to find? You know, <laughs> you're like looking, you know, and, uh, that, I mean, that's fun, but you just don't get it anymore. You know, rarely, you know, right. I guess Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Some, some other places. Yes. But New York, Nashville, yeah. Nashville is so intimidating. Like literally, like yeah. all shops, depending where we're playing, and everyone there is like a gunslinging guitar player who's just like I'm embarrassed to even hold a guitar at a national guitar shop. <laughs> There's like a bum will walk off the street and just bust out, you know, the chicken picking, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rip, rip, just ripping your head off. You're just like, what the f- 
fuck. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I want this guitar, but I don't have the balls to play it in front of these guys. So, uh, <laughs> the yeah, store's got some good stores. Yeah. yeah. The store I was referring to is 30th Street Guitars in New uh, York City. Okay. That place, yeah, it's just fantastic. I mean, they've got a pedal, you know, used pedal section. It's still there? Yeah. Yeah. I just oh, looked really? it up. Yeah. They're still there. They got like 4.8 stars out of five stars. Great store. Um, so, I haven't, it's been a while since I've been there, but yeah, one of those places, not the run of the mill, you know. I, I mean, I had all those kind of stores growing up. I mean, in Detroit, I, that, I mean, that was full of cool stores that had old stuff and that was awesome. You know, uh, everything, everything was old, you know, it was just like, but old then, you know, you know, old now is different. Old now might be a line six spider amp, yeah, 97. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. old when I was a, kid uh you know when i was 15 years old let's say you know that's from the 70s right you know so you know i might have been in the mid 80s but 10 years old you know mid 70s you know so so what you saw in the stores was used gear from mid 70s you know 10 years old not you know that old but now that's a spider right or um a blues junior or you know just stuff that's not great and now all the other stuff is is vintage and very expensive, especially now. Oh, it's crazy. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just old enough to have been around playing guitar when you could go into a store, and vintage wasn't such a thing yet. Mm -hmm. So in the 90s, early 90s, I was mid 90s, I was able to pick up my first Gibson was a 71 SG standard. Oh, that's cool. I got that for 375 out the door. Good deal. And you know, later traded that towards Les Paul Custom, you know, 10 years, 15 years later. But it was right on the cusp. Maybe it's the internet introduction that changed prices and education on guitars. But it was so much fun. Like on when I was younger, I'd go on hockey trips. And my parents would take me to pawn shops. You know, it was a little fun event trying to find old Dobros and Nationals. And you never knew what we were going to find. And we didn't track those down. But it was the hunt was always on. And there's a store in Chicago called Midwest Buy and Sell, mm. which is a, a pawn shop, essentially, that's now become more music instrument based. But it, it's a pawn shop. And it's yeah. you go in there and it's like, oh, this is a bit gnarly. It's a bit rough around the edges. And it's a bit of the holdover from that era of when you could find gems and like, oh, there they know what they have now but back in the day you could find these guitars were like oh they don't know what they have here like this is a sleeper great pedal or cab what have you but they don't know about it you know but yeah that's hard to find it feels a bit like antique roadshow like back then now yeah. like craigslist is fun i love craigslist that's a little yeah fun. you get bargains you can get bargains sometimes there because someone's trying to off something quick or or just don't know what they have. In fact, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Michael Torin, he sent me a thing where there was a, a B100, Friedman B100 half stack that some guy was selling somewhere. And it I, or somehow. I think it was on eBay. And it, and sold it, for like it wound up going for like 400 bucks. 500 bucks, the whole thing. And I'm like. Obviously, no one was paying any attention. They didn't have any like. Either. I mean, that was just stupid. Right. But, you know, someone got a good deal. <laughs> Do you think it was real though? Like, 
I don't know. Maybe it wasn't real. Who knows? Yeah. You know, I was thinking that too, but I didn't look into it. You know, whatever. Yeah. There was a nice area on uh, eBay for a while. You could find poorly listed instruments, so they didn't know what they they wouldn't describe it properly mm -hmm. or spell it. And I stumbled across some good deals just because people didn't know what they had. And sure, that's the same. That's a modern day like e pawn shop essentially. But like, oh, you don't know what you have here. But this is occasionally, yeah, you can get lucky. But it's, today. It's yeah. yeah, it seems like these days people overprice the, you know, most common shit. Yeah. And, and it's, and, you know, I'll go on Craigslist and they're selling stuff that's more expensive than what it is in the store. <laughs> you know, you can buy new in some cases. You're just like, Frankly, I'm just not that interested anymore. <laughs> I mean, I have a bunch, I have, you know, several key pieces of vintage gear that I love that I won't get rid of. And I'm, I mean, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know what that sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Do I need it? No, I have that other one. Um, but you still search though, don't you? I still look sometimes just in yeah. case. Because <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just get the urge to buy something. I, I just want to buy something and I don't need it. I don't need it at all in it's any way, shape or form of anything. I, I don't know. need guitars. I don't need pedals. I don't need, I have enough. And, but sometimes it's like, I get a wild hair up my ass to like, you know, I was, yeah, I kind of really would like that old pedal that I always kind of wanted and haven't had for years. Okay. I'm going to buy it. Click. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I did pedals are dangerous because they're just, they're, they're easy not, to buy, right? Yeah. They're not too expensive. You know, I did that recently with this. It's got a hair on it. Is that a oh. reissue fuzz face? Yeah. It's a Jimi Hendrix yeah. fuzz face. Oh Yeah. Now get analog man to mod it. I could, right? <laughs> it actually sounds really good as it is. Um, but I just, you know, it was like an impulse buy. I'm like, I've never owned one of these. I'm like, boom, I'm gonna buy it. Boom, you know, did I need it? No. Yeah, I know. It's just I have literally bins and bins and bins of stuff in my shop here that is just sitting there. And I think about it, and I'm like, that stuff's been sitting there for years. <laughs> I haven't done anything well, with why it. Why do I even have it? Right. Yeah. Accumulating value, you know. The, the uh, more you some of them, yeah. Some of them, absolutely. Some of them, for sure. So, Mike, what 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 other guitars do you have that are, you know, like like kind of your favorites? That not necessarily vintage, but you know, that you use a lot or that's like yeah. your go tos. Well, it's funny, like just this week we did a reverb sale, like an official Russian circle. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. 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 I don't like to have a whole lot of gear. It's just I don't need so much. I, I do like pedals, so I will like have shelves of pedals just to play with and like concoct a different chain and just to, for different ideas. But I don't like holding on to too many guitars at one point. You know, nothing's sacred to me unless it really, really has meaning to me. And some of the most meaningful guitars are guitars I've like. I have a Fender Strat. It's actually right here. Um, this is just uh, did all my own modding to it and learn 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 the game by messing around and making mistakes and figuring out how to do it. Mm -hmm. But this means more to me than a guitar. I just bought, played, enjoyed, used it as a tool, and then found something else. Whereas this, I kind of cut my teeth learning about it, and it's it sounds like a strat. I don't want it to be a Les Paul. I don't want it to sound like another guitar. I want it to occupy its own space mm -hmm. as it was designed. So those are the guitars that I have more of a fondness to for. Uh, um, 
And then as far as I do have a few like collection pieces that I'll, you know, like we were talking earlier, I'll find like an old an old ES330 that I found for like a, a steal, like old 60s 330. I was like, I gotta grab that. That's a good deal. A 59 ES125 I got for hundreds of bucks. It's like, I'll, I'll buy that, you know, and hold that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, sure. A few less balls that just mean a lot to me. Like those are, I love less balls, always will value those. And certain less balls mean a lot to me. And I've been on important tours and records of my life. So those I'll hold on to, but most of the gear is pretty liquid. Like I'm not married to anything. So I'm happy with Dunnable. Sasha Dunnable makes these guitars out here in LA. Mm-hmm. And they're great for what I do or for my application of playing like ergonomically and how they sound. It's replaced any less Paul in my life as far as playing live and in the studio and from the pickups all the way to tone woods and the feel of it it's like i i don't play other heavy guitars besides dunnable at this point just because they check all the boxes for me it's like oh so th- there are cool pieces that i always be a fan of like traditional guitars and like we talk about what gear do you still look for and what what will you always be interested in my brother and i were chatting last night and he asked me what's what's like if you have all this money what would you buy tomorrow if you were given x amount of money and my white whale is like a black Gibson Barney Kessel, like that old, you know, double oh, pedal. Like I've always loved those. They're always an arm and a leg, but there are certain guitars I always kind of, you know, are in the back of my brain bouncing around, but there's n- not too many. I have a Telecaster I like that was old. It's made out of a reclaimed redwood out here in California, which I think mm. is cool. cool. And I, I, I mess with that and I swap pickups. I, put holes in it where I shouldn't and I like mess it up and you know, so it's unsellable essentially, but mm-hmm. got vibe to it. And I like big fat necks on guitars. So all fenders are fun. You can mess with them. Whereas the set necks and the glute, glued in necks or neck through those are different. I don't mess around with those too much besides, you know, pick up mods and the odd changes here and there. But um, same with amps, amps some kind of like, until I found the high watt rig recently, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> so you're uh, using twins before, right? Yeah, and then those are great. Into four by twelves was that correct or no? Because I missed. I had just twins, and then I was experimenting with different enclosures. Like some would be like a baseband powering a baseband two twelve. Mm-hmm. Sounded sonically perfect. Like our sound guy Patrick was like, "That's it." Like I love that baseband so much. Mm-hmm. You know those sixties. Fender amps are incredible, you know, but I needed a little more wattage. I couldn't hear myself that much on stage. It was certain sets we play, depending on what we're playing. I need a ton of headroom, a lot of volume, clean volume. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I like Fender. When we first started, I used Sun Model Ts, but they were the Fender reissues. Mm-hmm. So those are, people kind of snooze on those amps, I feel like. They're Fender amps. And they have the sun badge, but they're essentially Fender amps. And they have so much headroom. The distorted channel is a monster, more of a, kind of a fuzzy, gnarly, distorted, blown out sound. But the, the headroom on those amps is incredible. And that's what I look for in amp. Is are there certain notes I can play, a certain tuning, I can check, will the speakers hold? Will 
the tone holds its composure and structure like mm-hmm. a half. And certain amps just they start farting out. And a lot of our songs have loops that are stacked. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll have a loop, a clean passage, and have a distorted riff over that. And if the signal chain and the amps and the cumulative chain can't handle the stacked loops with articulation, it gets pretty mushy, pretty muddy quickly. So that's why I look for amps with just obnoxious amounts of high room, a headroom, but still have a warmth to them, but they're not sterile and soulless, you know? So it's, it's tough. It's hard to find that fine line of some warmth and vibe, but enough leeway where you can kind of add some levels layers there and still sound articulate I, I saw on reverb um one of your amps was for sale i don't think it was part of your reverb sale but it was just someone selling it, it was a, a fender pro sonic oh yeah and uh, i used to own one of those as oh, well they're... they are cool they are cool they they actually had a really interesting overdrive channel they do they're a great home amplifier i feel like or if you can get away playing that at clubs those are a nice little secret weapon that Fender Fender can do some distorted amps here and there that sound pretty, pretty good, like pretty nice saturated tone. Not the ProSonic and the uh, Model T ratio are the two amps that I can speak to about that. But that ProSonic's a fun little burner of an amp. Yeah, That's cool yeah. yeah. I, I I I don't know why I got rid of it, but I don't know. But so it, you you've moved to high watts. Yeah, I will. So I I saw that. So that's that's how this came about. This whole thing came about. I saw the the picture of the high watt rig and the pedal board with one of my pedals on it, and I'm like, wait a minute, I I have to reach out. (laughs) Wait, so I'm sorry, say that again, Dave. No, I saw I saw a picture of the high watt rig somewhere online or something, and I'm like, fuck, that's so fucking cool. And and then I saw a picture of your pedal board or current pedal board, and you had a picture uh, you you were using my BEOD oh, uh, Deluxe, right? Right. Sure. Yeah. And um, I'm like, shit, I got to message him. <laughs> that, was, that was. I gotta say, Dave, that was so nice of you. Uh, Dave personally reached out and said, "Hey, I just want to. It's Dave here, introducing himself. I just want to yeah. say thanks for using the pedals, and I'm a fan of the music. And that was incredibly kind of you to do that. Most proprietors of various you know companies wouldn't do that i don't think that was a great a nice touch of you well i was cool i mean i like the band i mean you know i I mean i saw you guys play i don't know how many years ago now on uh you played at the palladium with uh, mastodon Mm -hmm. and uh, i think it was mastodon eagles of death metal and and you guys uh and uh it, it i mean that's the first time i saw you and that was it was amazing um it 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 was i i found it interesting because it was so it was heavy but moody and um completely entertaining like you never like didn't think of you never thought about the fact there's no vocalist or anything or you know that it was just great oh awesome thank you yeah in fact probably the best band of the night oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know you had Bill on the podcast, Bill Kelleher from Amazon. Yeah, Bill. Bill has a signature amp with us um, and stuff. Sure. Yeah, I know but, Bill. Yeah, I have to say, like at his at their sound checks, I'm a big fan of Mastodon, so I kind of linger around if I was around and kind of check them out and hang around. And his rig live 
like when you're in front of it, it sounds great in front of house, but even when you're just like on stage checking when he's playing, yeah, that's I can safely say the best heavy guitar tone I've heard is Bill's tone live. And I, there's other people who also do similar, not similar, but sound great also. So mm-hmm. I'm not taking away from anybody else, but of who I've seen, Bill's the best sounding guitar I've heard. And like just off the stage, it's like, bam, that's great. You know, it, he's got it dialed in. I'll, I'll yeah. Say. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I don't know how so, many years ago. That must have been like six years ago or something, maybe. Yeah, I don't, that sounds about like five, six years ago. Five, six years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you guys will have to come out to a, a, a new show. We, we have to, oh, I'd love to. So it's grown. You know, we, it's, it's been fun. We had introduced a lighting guy, and the rig has grown. I'm now playing in stereo, which is part of the point of having so many high watts. It's not for volume. But it's more so to get a ping pong effect with the delays Mm -hmm. and just to fill out the sound more. And as a three piece with one guitar player, that gives me the freedom to really utilize the stereo field. Yeah. It's a matter of like having a few hard panned amps and summing the signal through another amp. So that's straight down the middle. The sound guy can bring that up for the heavier riffage. Mm -hmm. Bring it back to let the the sound breathe and let other people step forward in the mix. So the high watts, any, the high watts are great because they are very uh, forgiving as far as muddiness. Uh, and the way uh, there's running. nothing muddy about a high watt. Yeah, that's why I like <laughs> the fenders are great. I love them, but I you kind of mentioned a four twelve. I missed a loud hundred watt amp where I can just riff and chug and it just sounds super full. Mm-hmm. And the twins were, were very loud and focused, like literally focused. Like at my back, I just wanted the low end push and mm-hmm. the 412s couple with the stage and really produce this low end resonance that I wasn't getting with the twins. Mm. So. Well, the stacked up high watt rig looks cool right. as shit. So yeah, 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 yeah. kudos, kudos just for that alone. <laughs> right, right, right. The era, well, it's funny because we did a number of shows, which were our biggest shows ever. We opened for system of a down. Mm-hmm. It was right as the pandemic was wrapping up. And I had, you know, a year and a half of home living, of no band practice, no shows. So I was, you know, getting into the weeds as far as trying to figure things out. Like, oh, what are other amp options? Maybe I don't need to play a two band. Maybe I don't need to do all this stuff. And I was trying other options and it didn't sound right. And all the gear was stolen for better, for worse. And it's like, all right, Hiwat reached out and said, hey, um, sorry to hear your gear was stolen if we can help we can put you in touch with a rental house and they'll get you some gear i thought you know i have no idea what the hell i'm playing right now <laughs> like i'm not totally stoked so sure and once i plugged into the high watts i was shedding pedals right and left i had so many weird gain stages prior to that but there was such a clear sound that less was more i plugged into beod deluxe i was like man like it had to be crushing it was, it was a great. high lot. You can yeah. you can put pedal before or after it, but like you don't need to. It, it's yeah. It, well, you got two control, channels on it anyway, so yeah. With a tight control, which is so useful for like bringing it in, like everybody, like our our sound guy was there, our label owner and manager was at her studio, and the bandmates. Everyone's like, "This is like." your future <laughs> like you're playing high watts and this is what you're doing now i was like oh hell yeah like it just it, 
it happened to be high a lot, but I think part of it was just going back to loud 412s, like how the band started. I used to play with four twelve, like a stack of 412s back in the day, and God, I missed it. So in this era of like getting smaller and getting digital, smaller footprint, less speakers, nah. I get that. Nah. But man, nah. <laughs> I love a lot of amps, a lot of low end, a lot of volume, and just push it. Bring earplugs to the show. It's going to be fucking loud. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to shake your sternum. You're going to be. That's, that's how it should it. be. That's rock music. We're not going to say it's a rock concert. It's like it should scare the crap out of you. Like, right. Move. It should. The speaker is pushing air. You should feel it. You should feel a literal reverberation mm. you know, in your body. That's part of it. It's not just a sonic adventure. It's part of the sound waves. They hear crushing bass waves rolling right through you. That's why we go to shows. Partly, you know, so, I sort of remember that about you guys live. When I saw you, I rem- kind of remember that it was the powerful sounding, like extremely. Like it did hit you in the chest. Awesome. And that was before the high watt. That's uh, without a vocalist, you have more room to push everything forward. If you're a sound guy, you got to leave room for the vocals naturally. So, hey, can you bring the guitars back? Let's take that bass down a little bit. Certain elements of the drums might not be as loud, but mm. we don't, there's only three of us and no vocals. So, we don't want to, there's good loud and bad loud, of course, but. That's why we love our sound guy and like, hey, push it and make it loud. And if it's too loud, like too loud doesn't exist to us unless the sound's bad. And then, yeah, like I'm not afraid to turn down if it's stepping on my bandmates or not a good mix. So you don't you don't need to be a jackass about it. Like you don't just turn up and ignore everybody else. You play with the band and you make sure it sounds good up front, you know, depending on the room you're playing. You're not always playing the biggest room. So Put on a good show but i like i like feeling a loud stage like not every show is the same but when you have a great sounding stage that's the best you could play for six hours straight and there's a one person left I'm like you're a trooper thank you like <laughs> those are fun nights when it's just a, a really I like a good live room but those are fun good reverberating rooms are fun wood cool. stage Nice. But yeah, what stage? Oh, what stage that yeah. that just has that kind of thing? Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah, those dead rooms kill me. It's like it to me. It's like a comedy club. You want a comedy club to be lively, so everyone laughs and the, the comic knows everyone's laughing and like it just it's like a, it just all works. But when a room is dead, the crowd seems dead. The, yeah. The, the, the decay of the guitar and cymbals just die. There's yeah. No, it just, no life. It just sounds like sound. you know. It just seems like a mushy mess yeah it's not, not as fun it's yeah. not good for rock i'll say that yeah, right not at all hey kyle how's it going uh he said russian circles rules i was in touch with mike to get him some rev gear oh, a couple sure. of years ago i work for the company great guy and band thanks kyle yeah thank you kyle, yeah, kyle was looking me up with some rev gear for sure sounds awesome i use that rev uh g20 head a lot actually for a home recording like that's the head yeah what up kyle uh Wait a second. I thought I missed somebody, but maybe not. Oh no. Okay. No, there's a there's there's a super chat. Yeah, I see. Um, cars in depth. Dave, any Jeff Beck stories you witnessed or heard? Yeah, I mentioned this to Mike yesterday that we were gonna. I'm sure we were gonna touch on the Jeff on Jeff Beck. Um, I worked on one of his amps once, but awesome. I never met him. So mm. I what amp? I, so like a, a 
Plexi Marshall reissue that he had that had gone down and I fixed it. Mm. Uh, I knew his guitar tech at the time. Um, and then another friend of mine, oh God, what a tragic, uh, <laughs> Michael Lockwood is a, a client of mine for a million years. Michael Lockwood was married to Lisa Marie Presley. Mm. They had been going through a kind of a bitter battle of such for years, actually, after the divorce. Um, but uh, he was living in England with her for a while, and he the next-door neighbor was Jeff Beck. <laughs> so they used to hang out and, um, you know, play guitar together and stuff and just, just hang out and have a, have a beer. And, uh, and he was telling me some stories of that and, uh, and then to lose him and then his ex-wife the next day or, or the day after or whatever, kind of crazy. insane. I haven't, I texted him, but I haven't heard from him, but I'm sure he's busy, knee deep. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, cause he has two daughters with Lisa. So really? Oh, wow. Yeah. He had uh, twins, twin That's daughters. Right. What's his name again? I'm sorry. Michael Lockwood. We were talking about having him on the show. Michael Lockwood, uh, years ago, uh, he had done all the yeah. guitars with for like Fiona Apple and mm -hmm. um, like uh, um, Amy Mann and a whole bunch of other people like in the you know early 90s. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's sad. I mean, and of course, Jeff Beck, what an amazing player. Um, such a, I mean, I wish I could say he was an influence on my playing, but he's not. I mean, because I can't play, he's anything. an alien, yeah. I can't play anything <laughs> like him. I mean, not like I've ever tried to emulate him or any of his songs, but his stuff is so unique and so good. And he changed his style a million so, times over the years, yeah, so many times, you know. Um, and he can go from just really nice classic rock to funky jazz fusion, yep. you know. Music. I saw him do up. I was listening to him play Mahler just last week, like before he passed. And I was like, damn, I'd have never heard this version of this, whatever composition it was. Mm. It was beautiful. He knew how to, he could clearly shred and be very expressive and articulate with his playing at a high speed, but he could also. Take things down and be very expressive. Just use riding the volume knob and mm. emulating the string sections. And he, he didn't have a sense of ego when he played. He always had a way of fitting fitting to the song. You know, where when the '80s shred era. <laughs> what are we listening to? <laughs> what did you turn on? Is that you? Oh, wow, that was me. You're welcome for that. That's, uh, that's Jeff Beck's Untouched catalog. I want to lay it on you guys. Um, that's his vocal work, actually. And uh, no one really knows that he has like a, a higher voice, but that's his, <laughs> that's his natural singing range. That's why he doesn't sing that often, actually. I mean, uh, I don't know why Spotify just cut loose for some reason. <laughs> You're welcome. For that. Uh, sorry, Jeff. Incredibly rude right there. Uh, oh, 
That's all right. Uh, it was I was like, all right, one of you guys want to get your shit dialed in? Oh, it's me. Okay. <laughs> like I, I didn't touch anything. Um, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, yeah I'm like thinking to myself, okay, wait, that's not my iTunes. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I was searching, like, what did I touch? Nothing's yeah, on. I'm going to a show tonight with a friend, and I've never heard the band before. I was looking them up earlier, and that's the band. That's oh, okay. That's the band. Life, happy to give it a shot but that's unfair to jeff to derail the conversation because it's a big deal i think to acknowledge his passing because it gives opportunity for the other younger generation to get into jeff beck this is their chance to get into him and see what he did and spread the videos spread songs mm -hmm. and see what he was about and maybe ignite a fire in them you know because he was a one of a kind and he advanced the guitar in a way most guitar players would dream to do, you know. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, absolutely, hundred percent. Yep. Sorry to to lose them. I saw a picture today of uh, of Eddie and and Jeff back together. I was like, oh wow, two legends gone. Um, yeah, more to come. Unfortunately, oh, I know we're we're gonna we're gonna see um, everyone from those eras pass away. You know. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, you know, you're gonna start. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be rough. Yeah, everyone but Keith Richards. <laughs> says, I, don't, I, I don't think anything can kill him. Uh, and Ron, and maybe Ron Wood. But I think both whatever those guys took. Is, yeah, definitely old, Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah, the old joke. We need to think about what kind of world we're gonna leave for Keith Richards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> since '87, I feel like you know that dude's still going. So. It's insane. Knock on wood. He's, he's still rolling. Yeah. Jake, thanks uh, for your question. Thank you for stopping by, Mike. I got into your music back when you got Brandon Curtis, Secret Machines involved, and I've enjoyed everything since then. Oh. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Jake. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon's an old friend of the band who produced a few of our records. We met him when we opened for Secret Machines. He was an awesome dude. He had a wealth of knowledge about music and he was one of the most inspiring and informative people to work with like every recording he kind of pushed me he's like i think you can do something like that's cool but i think you can maybe come up with something different so a lot of it would prompt me to do an improv improvisational thing over the song which would end up becoming a set and stone part of the music but he was i always think of brandon a lot whenever i'm writing it's kind of like go further out there and you can always come back in but kind of push yourself mm. and see what you can come up with but yeah, mm, very, yeah. very talented dude that's cool uh jonathan's shop do you use a string lube like big ben's nut sauce um i've used that stuff before i can't quite honestly i don't know if it does anything I mean, I've I've used it like in a like on a telly and like on the nut or something like that. But I mean, it, it's just lubricant for the nut, so the strings doesn't stick. If the nuts cut really well, it should be okay. Uh, you know, it's it, it has a purpose, I guess. Sure. If you use a tremolo, not so yeah, much. Yeah, if you yeah, exactly. Fixed bridge, or, you know. Do you ever use a, a tremolo, Mike, or is it mostly uh, fixed? Bridge. Almost always fixed. I'm always messed with tunings like all over the place, and it's just too much of a headache. So even like my strat, that's pretty much blocked out just so 
I can cruise through any tunings and mm-hmm. whenever I'm writing, it's, it's like, all right, try this in different tuning, different tuning and keep changing it until it finds a home. So I wish I uh, was more comfortable or had a guitar around that maybe had a tremolo or something like that, you know, but it's, it's a cool tool. I had an SG actually one that I'm selling this week. It just sold the other day that had like a Lyra, like Maestro Lyra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really cool. Like super fun. Like it's not the same effect as a Strat type whammy bar, but really cool vibe for like chords and you get a, a really shimmery. Yeah. Cool. Kind of like haunted effect with that. I, I, I do appreciate that, but I just, I'm always just, meticulously changing tunings just for i don't know experiment essentially do you create your own tunings or are you using like traditional alternate tunings um i started off like in this band with dad gad the first record was all dad gad and then from there started getting weirder and weirder and uh, a lot of the tapping patterns are easier and cooler ideas can happen if you have alternate tunings so i dropped certain strings and some strings in the new record go up or some go down and a lot of drop a like low a like the the low e's an a and then mm-hmm. conventional a strings and a so you have a double octave a you can get a lot of cool drones with that a lot of it is usually doubling strings having like several a's several d's and sometimes it's fun to have ugly horribly dissonant chord in there or note so like a lot of it would be uh, like c sharp uh, C sharp, G sharp, D for the low three. Hmm. You get that open, it just sounds awful. It sounds wrong. It just makes her, I just, it's an uncomfortable chord, but with enough distortion, it just, it's effective. It just, it, it sounds ugly, a really ugly chord. And sometimes that's fun. Instead of a, a beautiful open G or whatever, it's just like a angry sound. Mm-hmm. That's kind mm-hmm. of nice for what we do. We're, we're, we like, you know, we gravitate towards, that side of things to sound uglier instead of pretty and some sometimes so it's fun to really go for it when you're, and that's what makes it interesting yeah it's just tension you know, that's, that's what it creates that yeah tension and, and a mood and a and mm-hmm. a, and that's seemingly what i feel when i hear your music you know it has a as a mood as a weight to it it's not just it it says something Cool. Yeah. yeah. I think that's with when you have a singer, you have to find a place for them, return to the verse, hit the chorus sometimes in conventional rock music. But you're not worried about some singer who's like, hey, what do I do on stage for the next eight minutes? Like, you don't have that guy. You can just take the song and any narrative you want to tell, you know? So mm-hmm. go dark, you can go light, you can get further dark, you can take it in a weird path. But there is a lot of freedom not having a vocalist on stage. That's that's a nice point. Do you use um, heavy gauge strings, or are you a lighter gauge string guy? Or um, I mean, they're thicker strings, but I tune down a lot. So I use eleven to fifty six on all my on both guitars. Essentially, I have two guitars I use live for different tunings, but I also use the Digitech Drop pedal, where you can switch which like interval you want to go. Yeah. I use a ratio actually. Which is a pedal, but that helps me out as far as going down to B or A or what have you. But I, I just I'm so comfortable with that tuning or with that tuning and 
that string gauge where that's that's home for me where I can with the 56 I can go down to the drop A and still it still holds it's not mm -hmm. it's flubby it's flubby as hell like friends play my guitar and I'm like what is this soup of an E string here like, <laughs> you got to be careful with it it's not <laughs> right if right. you picked up my guitar, if you guys would think it's like, oh, it, were, were you flying? Did you detune this for flying? What's going on? It's like, no, I'm <laughs> up at concert pitch right now. I'm ready to play. <laughs> uh, but that works for me. I've tried thicker, lower E strings and all kinds of stuff, but I do a lot of tremolo picking too. And that 11 to 56 kind of does it all for me. I don't bend much either. So I, I'm no Steve Ray Vaughan up there. So it's, just a lot of well, it makes sense with the down tuning. Eleven fifty six sure. is not crazy at all. It's, it's no. really not for how low as we go. It, it's not. That's why it's thick, but it's not heavy. Really, it doesn't. Feel, the tension's not much. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Roger Dat, thank you for the super chat. Uh, I don't have another rhyme for that, but oh, I did actually. Look at that. I, I'm, I'm, wow, I'm just going around and around. Um, <laughs> Mike, any concern protection re regime uh, for your hearing, regimen for your hearing, high watts, bark loud? Yeah, true. Yeah, I always wear earplugs every show, whether I'm playing, attending, practice. Even here when I'm writing songs like digitally through an interface and working on stuff. I'll, I have them right here, so I'll show them. But uh, uh, erasers, erasers, I think they're called. They're all gross and weird looking now. But yeah, I've seen those before. Um, guitar Center sells them. Every guitar store sells them, but they do a good job of reducing decibels without blocking all the high end, yada yada. Custom earplugs are nice, but I lose those weekly, and I just it's too much pressure on me. And so these are relatively affordable, 40, 50 bucks, and. I always wear earplugs. Whenever my friends come to shows or people who aren't acquainted with what we're doing, it's like, bring earplugs. It's going to be more fun if you bring earplugs. I didn't wear earplugs for the first eight years of the band. And I definitely have damage over here. And my ears are ringing all the time. You know, I'm sure we all have tinnitus. You know, like everybody I know is tinnitus who plays music. So it's not, it's not crippling, thankfully. But, uh, is a nice wake up call to be like, what am I doing? Well, like, of course I should wear protection. And mm -hmm. um, it's irresponsible not to, you know. I still hear, it's funny, I went to a, uh, one of my first shows ever was my brother took me to an Anthrax concert. And I, it was Judas Priest's, uh, Rob Halford's band Fight opened. And then, and they were super loud, crazy loud. And then Anthrax. I got home and my parents waited up to make sure everything went well because it was my first show. But I couldn't stop laughing because I heard lisps and everybody spoke. Like the S sounds, sounds were just really funny to me because I couldn't hear properly because I had hearing damage. Mm. So I was like little kid, like 13 years old, laughing at everybody. <laughs> my parents, you know, they're scolding my brother. Like, you take your brother to a show once and you get him drunk and like give him help. <laughs> and my brother's like, I don't know what's up with this kid. Like, there was no alcohol involved. He just has been laughing the entire time I speak. I don't know what's going on. But I had some hearing damage from that show. And whenever, even mm -hmm. just yesterday, I complained a lot. I hear, like when certain people speak, I detect a lisp very easily, depending on how they speak, you know. But I have, I do have long-term damage and everybody should wear earplugs, buy nice ones and always wear them. Like it's, 
if, I mean, if you don't need to, you don't need to, but I enjoy myself when I have earplugs. It's more fun. I don't worry about it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I did the same thing, unfortunately, for many years. I played drums. Oh, sure. The yeah. high end, man. Oh, cymbals. Oh, well, cymbals are the worst. I, I, the worst. Yeah. China, China cymbals are even. Oh, God. That's kind uh, of my right ear is all messed up because <laughs> a drummer would be bashed into us. Yeah. We were doing small shows back in the day. We're right on top of each other. And like, all I heard was guitar and crash cymbal, you know? So, yeah. Two, you know, don't fall to his. You've got to hit the thing. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's brutal, though. And when it happens, it takes right. a long And when you're laying in bed at night and you hear it, Oh yeah, uh, I have tinnitus in one ear. Just oh, wow. one. that—that's almost brutal. That's brutal. Just one ear, and it's not—it's not really strong, but it's—it's it's, if I concentrate on it, I hear it all the time. Yeah. And uh, I went and got my hearing checked though, and there was no discernible loss. Oh, mm. that's good. So on either ear, they were about the same, and there was no discernible. It was all within spec, so to speak. Wow, that's so good. you're lucky. Um. She's like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> I'm like, great. They, they, I don't have tinnitus in one ear then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, answer that. They showed me a yeah, graph of both my ears of like how, you know, what I can hear. And there was no symmetry in those two graphs. The right ear like conked out pretty early on. It's like, oh man, my right mm -hmm. ear, you know, I, I prefer to be on certain sides of people when they're speaking. It's not, I'm not going deaf. I'm fine, but it's definitely. As a wake up call to me to like, dude, I don't want to be the old guy who can't hear a goddamn thing, you know. So, I went to the uh, the ear doctor as well. I got my my hearing checked, and I have high high end loss. Um, yeah. and you know that I was finding that when I get into a crowd or a, a restaurant, yeah. and a lot of people a lot of people are talking, I start to lose like what people are saying because it's, everything's just blending in with each other, and I can't. So he said, that's, that's unfortunately what happens, you know, when you start losing, you know, so, you know, he's like, let's check, we'll check you every year, but hopefully I won't ever have to need a hearing aid. I'm banking on like German technology just to get the best, like hearing aids ever in the future. It's like, yeah, I hope they've gotten so. pretty good now. Man, I need them to just come out with like the best shit ever. So I can like actually hear again, like. That's they are. They have gotten pretty good. I will say that. I like what I see so far. Uh, we've got uh, Sirapazu, Pazuzu. Um, thanks for the super chat, uh, Mike. A friend who is a huge fan says your live sound seems bigger. Something new in your rig, or is this front of house trickery? I mean, I'd have to give compliments to our sound guy, but a big part of that, I think, is refining the sound on my end, finding better pedals, better speakers, better heads, and also playing in stereo. There's something about playing in stereo that really gives it a, another dimension to the sound. Mm -hmm. It's it's night and day for me. If you have the ability to play in stereo and set a little bit of delay or like chorus through stereo, sounds incredible. You don't need mm -hmm. to be cheesy with it, but stereo effects are very effective for giving this illusion of dimension. But even with distorted, like even just riffs, just old school riffing, if there's a little bit of delay on there, it it adds a certain dimension because the sound's hitting you at a different time. And mm. that is my biggest change that I've noticed is stereo guitar sounds 
way better live. Like I swear by it. Like I, every show is stereo and the, the PA is hard right, hard left with a little center guitar from a different amp. So it definitely live is a stereo rig live. So that's that, that works well for one guitar player. Exactly. True. When 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 you have stereo rigs and two guitar players, it starts to get messy. Yeah, sure. And uh, you know, because then it's like, where who do you pan where and how? You know, and uh, right, right. Um, but for you, it makes total sense. You're creating yeah. this landscape of sound. No and, singer, and there's no singer. There's no nothing. It's you filling up the space with the bass. That's it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a luxury. Having, yeah, that's a total luxury. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah, that's nice. Um, let's see. Release from within says one of my all-time favorite concert memories was seeing Russian Circles play Deficit, and how absolutely crushing it was. I thought the building was going to collapse. It was glorious. Nice. That's awesome. Like, yeah, that's a slow song of ours. A slow and heavy burner. So those are fun to play live. The slower, the better. As far as I'm concerned, I love simple slow and heavy songs and that one's always a, one of my favorites to play yeah um modern vintage dave are 80s 90s slo 100s a better choice than zeros to ten, to the tens due to originally spec caps and other parts that stop being produced uh, probably uh, not really you know, uh, you'll be surprised if you took one from one area, one from another, put them on an amp switcher where you can literally instantly switch between them and then just dial the knobs to get the same tone. It's it's maybe a couple of the knobs are a little bit in a different position, but you'd be surprised. I don't really think so. <laughs> Razor. Mark has some crazy glasses. You know, it's funny. Um, <laughs> Those are new, aren't they? They're new, but they don't. They, it's the lighting that are really making them pop like off my face. It's really, I was trying to do whatever I could to make it because in regular lighting, it doesn't look like this, but they look like a mirror on my face right now for whatever reason. It's the lighting. Um, so it's yeah. funny. The glasses actually make your whole jawline seem thinner. Well, because they're wider. Possibly, or I've lost 20 pounds. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I've come for a while, so. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's funny. The light, because if you see, if I turn this way, they don't shine that way. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the light just shines on them. Anyway, uh, I thought someone was going to comment on them. Thanks, Razor. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Um, the life of being on YouTube. Uh, let's see. David Pudlow, Mike, I met you when you worked at, uh, met you when I worked at GC. Uh, wait, you were, when you, wait, I met, I met you when, when I worked, worked, worked at GC. When, I, you, I imagine when he worked at GC. Yeah. <laughs> you were never a douchebag. <laughs> like some rock stars. That's, that's the high watermark for me, is not being a douchebag. <laughs> when I achieve sure. that, it's kind of like, try to keep it up. <laughs> you're, you're a classy dude. Well, that's nice. That's nice thing to say. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny we, we talk about other guitar players like jeff beck seemed to have a good reputation and one of my jeff beck moments 
is when I heard Eric Johnson cover Bex Bolero. Did it for, I think it was a Jeff Beck tribute album he did. But I'm a huge Eric Johnson fan. So his rendition of Bex Bolero, you have two geniuses at work. You have Jeff Beck going through the filter of Eric Johnson. And Eric Johnson's an incredible guitar player. What he, his phrasing, the notes he chooses, the way he plays all together. But I've always been impressed by Eric Johnson and how he conducts himself in interviews and how down to earth and humble and gracious and mellow and mild mannered he is. There are certain musicians I always appreciate for that reason. Or when you meet people, like the cooler the musician, the nicer they are, I feel like. it's you, you, There's no room for ego and that weird inflated sense of self. It's Most of the guys I like are usually good folks, you know, so. It's, it's nice to see folks like Eric Johnson, who's always, you know what you're going to get, a nice, from what I understand, I don't know the guy, but it always seems like a Down kind, earth. kind fella. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, let's see. I know we have other questions here. Uh, <laughs> he, only, <laughs> he only asked that question to hear Mark say nut sauce. <laughs> Probably, probably. I fell for that one. <laughs> I fell for it. Damn it. Um, modern vintage. After modding Pete's Germino, do you find that to be an ideal donor amp based on stock parts and transformers? Old Marshalls are priced similarly and rare. I guess that's to you, Dave. Um. Uh, well, it was better than modding a a, a reissue Marshall. It's going to have better transformers, going to have better parts. Um, so, yeah, that was the reason. It was a relatively good price compared to a vintage amp. So, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be that amp. It could be some other um, uh, Marshall, you know, clone kind of thing with good transformers and stuff, you know? Mm. Yeah. Dr. Z in the house. What's up, Dr. Z? Hey, man. Hope you guys are good. Dr. Z, nice. Yeah, I should. we should have him back on. Um, good guy. Yeah, symbols are the worst. What's up, Ben? Uh, big thank you to Ben for being one of our moderators and uh, taking care of the chat and telling people to subscribe and hit the like button, um, which please... Make sure you guys subscribe and hit the like button. That reminds me. Uh, hey, Mike, do you have a go-to practice routine from Mike Kane? Uh, I do more so these days. I didn't for years. I wish I did. In the last few years, I've gotten more into classical guitar. and I've learned so much as far as left-hand dexterity and strength. I, I didn't realize I had all these weaknesses. And then the benefit of doing a scale. Like we all learned scales growing up, but I didn't realize all the different fingerings and all the different variations on a simple major key scale. I would call it the Segovia scale, a certain way to play it. But that's a very humbling affair when you first get started. But that's exposed me to all types of benefits from having a proper routine. So now, like before a show, I, do, I have a routine now where I just get everything loose and ready. And a lot of it, makes a difference like if you play and you're warm, if i play a set and i'm warmed up things just go better i hit them if i'm sliding from the first fret up to the 15th i hit it 
if I, I'm not warmed up, I might hit 14. And it's, I hate that. You never, you know, you don't want any <laughs> jazz notes when you're up there in front of a lot of people, you know? So sure. it, it, you think it wouldn't matter, but it really does. And so as, there's warming up, which is what I do before shows. That's just getting the, muscle, the muscles ready in your head, kind of locked into the fretboard and the guitar. Mm-hmm. But practice routines are a huge, huge benefit. Like every serious guitar player should do it. And also, it's a great way to track yourself to see if you're getting better. A classical guitar, it's like, oh, I've, I've kind of learned that song a little bit now. Before, I didn't know if I was right or left-handed, and now I can actually play it. So there is, yeah, a great reason, and you can definitely benefit from it. So, yeah, I, I have my own weird routines that I've gravitated towards. So there, there's some guy here, Fishbulb. Fishbulb. Yeah, fish bulb. <laughs> uh, he asked, what loop are you using these days? Possibly the head rush still. I already know the answer to this, but. Yeah, um, it, I stopped using the head rush only because it's not proper stereo. So I'm using a uh, an image looper, a T-Rex image looper, just because that has a simple setup. It's not overly fancy. So it's just a two-button delay with one knob. You know, extra funny business to get me messed up live and since that's a proper stereo pedal that's what i use now and the head rushes would fail occasionally like one out of every 400 loops it just wouldn't catch and it mess up the song and you'd have to cover for it live so there's so many cool loopers out there but less is more for me when i'm doing live looping i want less to go wrong you're using the digitech one for a while right I'm still using that too. I use two loopers live, I suppose. Um, the Digitech is also, that's the stereo Digitech jam man. And I use that more so for pre-recorded loops for like noise. Mm-hmm. You, want to show, you want me to show the pedal board? Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. But the, the jam man, you can say presets on that one. So that the bottom left, that's the yeah. jam man. Mm-hmm. The top left of the pedal board is, I guess, there's a summing box there where I kind of, that's where the stereo signals get combined into a mono signal and I keep the right and the left signal. But the thing, the last pedal before that is the jam man. And so that's got pre-recorded loops that are usually noise interludes and more ambient, arrhythmic loops. But all the live looping happens on the pedal to the right of that, which is the image looper, which they don't make anymore. And it's a, very affordable pedal if you can find it, but it's it didn't make much of a splash. But that's my favorite pedal by far. I've tried, you know, a handful of looper pedals. That one's better buy some extras. I, I literally started kind of like, like collecting. Like, yeah, yeah, I have. It's like damn, I, I'll be in hot water if I don't if I lose one of these, you know. So yeah. I actually bought a new, a recent one, one recently, I should say. But yeah, I, I told Dave, but while the board's up here. That the BEOD deluxe is great, man. That is, I can only imagine what that sounds like into the high watts. It's gonna be crushing, so rewarding. Like, <laughs> of those big shows we did opening for System of a Down, two of them were outdoor, I guess not arena, but stadium shows for their big, big, you know, soccer stadiums. Yeah, and the shows were fun. They, they were, you know, we're, we're lucky to be there, yada yada, but. The sound check of just doing ignorant ch- a caveman chugs through the front of house PA when it's turned on, 
it was just, that was so much fun. Cause by that point I had the BEOD and the high Watts. I was like, Oh my God, I can just play this one note for 10 minutes. <laughs> you have to do Forever. There's 8 billion people. And I I'm top like 1% of happiest right now, like doing that live. So fun. <laughs> That's yeah, cool. Great pedal. Man. I love it. Question for you. What are the two pedals uh, in the middle here? The ones that are horizontal. Yes. Okay. Um, I see that they're, they're like in front are two switchers. It okay, those like two and those little guys are Strymon favorite switches, which okay. I use in various ways. Um, that Flint pedal, which is a reverb pedal, I always have that engaged all the time, just because when you have, I think it's a tube setting, or the sixty-one harmonic. There's a harmonic yeah. setting, and that has a coloration to your sound. Where it draws out more high end, more low end, mm. and for some reason it's all digital. But for some reason, I prefer it with it on. But sometimes I need to turn it off to, to use a, a timed tremolo. So that's a favorite switch for that. The other Strymon favorite switch is for um, the dig. Just I use that a lot on and off for different delay settings. And then the other one next to it is a uh, simple, simple boost. I think an XR boost. And then there's a leopard pedal by the company Wizard, which is a cool, always-on overdrive I use. Kind of gives a little more, not much gain, but a little grit, a little more grind to everything. Kind of dig the way that sounds when it's on. Is that a Keeley pedal also, I see? That is a Keeley uh, effects loop. So some of those pedals are an effects loop. Mm. Um, like the pedal that's all taped over to the left, there's a black pedal to the left of that one. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's there's a Boss HM2 pedal, which is a really great pedal in the heavy metal world. Mm -hmm. And that one knob is the HM2's EQ maxed out. And when I turn that knob, it just lets in the, that amount of the global EQ of it maxed out. Like, how much of the maxed EQ do I want? So there's no gain in it. I, I'm using the gain from Friedman, but that just alters the EQ from the as if there's an HM2, which it doesn't sound like an HM2 because the fuzz circuit in the HM2 gives it its sound, but it does have this mid-range punch. So that like a filter, basically. Yeah, yeah. In a certain way. Yeah, exactly. And then I think another pedal in that loop, which is no longer there, the pedal to this has got to be the most minutia uh, conversation right now. To the left. People love this. This is what we do. <laughs> into it now. Um, to the left of that blacked out pedal, that now is an MXR Apex 808. And that's kind of a revolving door of a boost pedal. Like, oh, the Maxon. The uh, Maxon 808. 808. That's a great pedal. That pedal, it, that's a Chinese, Sinvertech, I think, is a company that I was using for a minute. That one in the photo, but the 808 apex is a cool pedal that there's something to that one i'm liking a lot so that's the latest and greatest that i found useful for what i'm doing hmm. and when you use the uh beod deluxe are you are you doing using both channels to to boost for sure yeah, yeah. I, I run them both pretty hot just because most of our set these days is just like over the top metal so it's just like heavy and heavier the way they're set. Mm -hmm. um, and I just realized 
last month that it can run it at 18 volts, which is driving me crazy. Because you like it, that better, or do you have you not tried it? I I have a BEOD, an old one, here yeah, that I've been jamming with, and it's so hard to tell, like through a, a DAW, you don't really know until you tune. Like you need to plug into an amp and turn it up loud, and then you know what things sound like. You know? To be honest, I sort of like it at nine volts. It, I, I haven't decided yet. I, I would like to hear it so I can see yeah. how it plays with the other ones. But I, I, I wish I knew about that. Um, that's good to hear that. Like you prefer it at nine. Uh, does it give it? Well, more I mean, I, I don't. I don't know why. Just something harmonically about it. I like it at nine, but. I mean, it sounds cool at 18 and it might work for you. I don't know. So, yeah. you know, what what you do is a total different ball game from a standard guitar player, you know, um, with detuned and, and um, you know, with the high headroom amps and everything. It's going to be it's going to be different. So okay. I listen to it or listen to it at 12 also. Oh, 12. Nice. You, okay. you, yeah, anywhere from nine to 18. OK, I didn't know so that. you can you can anywhere in between. It's so fun, man. I got to say, like. As far as us talking about gear acquisitions and all that, there's nothing more fun than just trying new pedals out. Like, yeah, I'm happy, but what's this one? I'm gonna try it out. When we do our records, every song, we just, there's no pedal board in the studio. We just have a box full of <laughs> yeah. pedals and we start from scratch every song. There's no like, yeah. all right, let's go to the usual. It's literally like, Patch it together and go, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. And we know which pedals we like and use more uh -huh. often than others, but like that's not the recipe. That's just an ingredient, you know. But I, I like just fucking around because you don't know what you're going to come up. And you might change. You might like something one day and write something that you love that you wouldn't have written on a different pedal configuration, you know. So it's worth having different colors and flavors to mess with, you know. For sure. Images, I should say, too. Um, oh, before I jump into that, uh, is that a wah also that you have? Yeah, that's like a Clyde McCoy, uh, Dunlop wah. Okay. And then yeah, a volume pedal? Speaking of maybe? filters, like the wah pedal as like a, like a filter, it was slow burn kind of effect. Mm -hmm. Such a great way to use wah, I feel like that, mm -hmm. not to plug wah, it's not that the wah needs any help from me, but like. That pedal I use only for that kind of that effect is for the slow like phaser effect almost, you know. But yeah, that's why I, I would use something, that. something I saw that recently that was kind of piqued my interest. Uh I saw the rig rundown from for um guy from Greta Van Fleet. Okay. Where where he incorporated I think he incorporated some fractal unit, but to do stereo wah. Because okay. his whole rig is stereo now too. And okay. He, he he was doing essentially a stereo wah where it was filtering, you know, it was going the opposite way on each side. That's awesome. And, cool. and when you heard it, and he said the PA stereo too. So when you when you filter and do that, it's like this crazy wow, crazy sound. So now I just gave you that idea. No, that's <laughs> what a cool idea of using modern technology to push. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's using literally. He's not using it for too much stuff. He's you got a lot of got a lot of analog pedals, but he made this stereo rig, and you know he can expression pedal with that unit, and he can make it do that. You know, sure, that makes it such a better experience. Like, like yeah. it seems like he seems like a gearhead, and that's a great example of him. Yeah, he likes, he likes old amps and old gear and classic yeah. things, and you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, as I. Uh, 
they're from Michigan too. And I, I had, I've seen them a couple times. And uh, the last time I, I went, I saw them at the Palladium a, a, a few years ago before, right before the pandemic. And um, I'm like, yeah, let's go down here. Cause they were using something else of mine. And we went down to the show, a friend of mine and, and that, and I'm like, I really, I had seen them once before, but they were much younger. They're like a, a year or two prior to that. Mm. And when I saw this show, I'm like, man, I got to say they put on a great show. Nice. <laughs> I mean, like you were thoroughly into the show, you know, you're having a cocktail, you're thoroughly into the show and you're just like, wow, that's fucking great. Yeah. It's like a good rock band, you know? Mm. And, uh, and you know, now they're playing the pond. Now they're playing an arena. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. They were, so, they were so young when they broke. It's yeah. Like, like give them time. They're like, if my band broke when I was that age, uh, I'd be like a bummed out human. Like, like get, they're gonna grow. They they're they're huge music fans, and by yeah. grace that they're gonna be on the right path and do cool shit. Yeah. 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 Everyone gives them shit or this or that, but you know, I and and you know, and I okay. I could see points of that, but man, when I go to see them live, they were great. Mm. And that's what really counted. Like I had a good time at the show and it was like, you know, seeing a, a great rock show that, you know, that doesn't happen a lot anymore. It's true. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's, there's so many, not so many, but it's common at these bigger levels of shows to see no amps on stage. No, I can't. No, no cabs on stage. Yeah. There, there's bands we toured with, and they're and the only thing you go watch side stage. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go watch these guys for a minute. I'm like, well, the drummer seems to be on time. Okay, I'm fucking bored. Like, <laughs> like, just, like, like, I want to hear feedback. I, nothing beats feedback. The whole point of playing guitar live is to hear feedback and, and mm -hmm. mess with it. You know, like. Like, I, I, i'll go I, i'll yeah i'll go down this path with you all day long yeah for sure uh you know uh friends of mine that i always see every time they come through town is this band from the 90s sponge uh, yep. out of detroit you know and they they you know they play clubs now and but when you go see their show it's a rock show and there's feedback and there's okay. real amps and it's exciting because of that, you know, yeah. you, the songs start with feedback and, you know, yeah. it just, it, it builds that tension and that, that thing you can't, sorry, you're not going to get feedback out of a, a, you know, a modeler. Right. Right. Well, not unless they pump up that monitor in front of you really loud just so you can get that little feedback on that one part. Right. Right. And they're faking it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel you. <laughs> I yeah. just, yeah, I don't. Uh, Sarah Pazu, Zoo, Zoo, uh, Dave, any news? Not done yet. <laughs> Freemanized <laughs> AC30. <laughs> Not done. Uh, sometimes, so I'll tell you what, here's the answer. Sometime this year, I have circuit boards and a chassis and transformers sitting next to me, but I haven't put them together yet. Okay. Uh, home dam. Uh, late to the show. Hey, Mike, can you talk about electrical audio? Yeah. Uh, electrical audio is a studio in Chicago owned by Steve Albini that he built with his friend Greg from like the ground up brick by brick with Adobe brick. They know exactly what they wanted acoustically and very controlled atmosphere and sound properties there. And that is 
such a luxury for us to record there. I'm lucky that we can record there and that anybody can record there. Us three can start a band right now and book time there. And Steve yeah. recorded, uh, he made, he's has a huge discography doing great records of his own and then production and also did Nirvana records, which gave him some you know deep pockets in order to build the studio. But it's open doors to anybody. It's not just major labels. It's a professional studio, but some of the best records ever recorded have happened there. And we seem to do most of our records there. And That's awesome. The, the drum tone there is the best drum tone we can possibly find. That's why we always go there. Drums are guitar. You can it's more forgiving. You can record that at various places and make it sound pretty good. You know, the drums. You need a good live room. You need to have everything in its place and proper reflective properties of the room and capture the low end and everything. And electrical is it has that, but also has the vibe of the engineers. Greg, who we work with, is arguably one of the funniest people I've ever met, and. Any occurrence where we meet Steve, it's brief but hilarious. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of Steve's band Shellac, like a nutso fan of his band. That was like a sea change in my life getting into Shellac. So I have a huge respect for Steve. So electrical audio is like it's a whole lot, a bunch of a lot of reverence for us when we when we go in there. We go in there like, wow, here we are. It's never like going to the office it's like a we're a bit humbled to go in there and we're aware of what records have been recorded there and if anybody needs a good place to record chicago illinois has electrical audio there's two studios one's more affordable than the other but both have different sonic like signatures to them one room is like the drum room is three stories tall the other one has a recessed floor where there's reverberation beneath the floor. But a lot of great indie records have been done there and, and metal record. They do everything. But it's uh, the most professional studio we've been in, and that's a great spot. Like, lucky to record there. Very cool. Uh, home has another question. I think that's how you pronounce it, Hom. Uh, hey, Mike, have you ever played around with the Swiss things uh, from Earthquaker devices? Yes. Uh, I bought that and returned it just because it didn't work for my needs. Mm. Really cool pedal though, but it just, that's not what I was looking for at, at the time, but that's a cool pedal. But that's a very uh, mechanical pedal, technical, not, not so much a tone thing. It shifts, affects loops and that type of thing, route, reroutes things and can affect, choose different effects loops. So it's not much of a effect pedal source, more of like a rerouting cross uh pedal but uh, yeah it's a cool pedal but I, i've never really found a reason to use it mm, gotcha um i'm actually using a mic i mean a mac sorry uh it's my tree so but that's good to know on a pc to do that um okay. uh fix pedal boards with the big super chat dude Jesus, tim <laughs> tim 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 Kick-ass show. Feeling guilty about Dave buying his own hooch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, if Mike wants any of our pedal Well, then if you wanted to send me money to buy my own hooch, then you should have just sent it to me directly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. PayPal. Um, if Mike wants any of our pedal board accessories, it's my treat. Oh, cool. Hey, Mike. 
in my completely unbiased opinion, Metropolis are the best vintage Marshall replica. Something about those Detroit ears makes for great amps. Yeah, George makes great amps. Um, well, yeah, and now that you're here in L.A., you know, I've been doing guitar rigs for 10 million years. <laughs> yep. He's talking to you, Mike. Oh, 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 me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, uh, now, now that I know you're here, I've been doing guitar rigs for guitar players for 10 million years. Yeah, it's funny. I, I came across, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, well, we should chat. Like, I came across a build of yours on Reverb today. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize you did that whole world. I'm familiar with what you've done in the past, you know, but I, I didn't know that was still an active thing you were doing. Like, oh, yeah. You know, we still, yeah, we still like, do. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, currently. I'm, I mean, I'm going to do, um, Chris Shiflet's rig coming up for the Foo Fighters, awesome. and I mean, I've done everyone over time, you know, over mm -hmm. the years. But I mean, that's been my primary business for a million years. Amps kind of came into fruition around 2009, but you know, I've been doing rigs since 1990. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. anything. We should definitely sit down and hang out because I think I could learn a lot from you. You could show me. But yeah, like, there might be some uh, uh, cleaner, better ways to do what you're trying to accomplish, and you know, sure. make, make your life easier, and and you know, and and make it cleaner, and make it uh, less problematic. What I'm doing, if, if any train, if you sat and watched me, if you were side stage and watched me play, you're like, oh my god, he's making this so difficult on himself. Like, why is he doing this to himself? Yeah. Like, no one, I don't, I don't have a rule book for this. A lot of us don't, you know. So, yeah, sure. So it's just like you just, you don't know what you're doing up there really so you, you yeah. find this works i route this i put this in a loop i do this put this over here i want as many things as stereo as possible and sure yada 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 but I, i'm sure there's a more streamlined more efficient way to route things for sure yeah. you know so. with still cat with still keeping you know your aesthetic because you've been doing it for years too you know right 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 yeah i mean um you know, it's important to make sure the artist is comfortable with what he's going into, you know, and that works for him, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, let, let, yeah, let's let's get together, man. Yeah, that'd be fun. You're yeah. down the street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Basically. Yeah, yeah awesome. Do you use uh, any buffers on your board? Graphite and cigars wants to know. Y you know what? So many of the pedals I have have built-in buffers, so I don't have a standalone buffer. But I believe the Strymon pedals, I've had those situated so the buffer is on because I think that benefit my signal chain. Mm -hmm. So I've even plugged in a buffer, a standalone buffer into the pedal chain. It didn't make a huge difference. So I think the yeah. buffers are pulling their weight, the ones yeah. that have in the chain. So, but so there, yeah, long story short, yeah, there's some buffer action happening. Excellent. Well, you guys should definitely get together since you're close by. Yeah. Uh, wish I could join you for a drink, but dinners, know. drinks, yeah, you name it. Yeah. Hanging out, rig, all of the above, well, yeah, <laughs> different yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's spread the love. Excellent. Well, I mean, it, I think we've gone through all the questions. Um, so I want to thank you, Mike, for coming on. And, oh, uh, you know, pleasure to meet you and learn about your band. Um, we're done. <laughs> well, are we? Really? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Ninety minutes. I mean, I, I, I yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Mike and I talked. Mike and I talked about it, so I wanted to be respectful of his time. 
good. So. Uh, I have to meet a friend for a show soon, so I'd, yeah. be, a, I'd be a bad friend if I, if I hung around too much more. So I um, say goodbye before too long. But I wanted to share, um, so you guys can check out Russian Circle's website. Um, they've got a lot of albums uh, for you to check, check them out, out, guys, because they're awesome. Yeah, it, it, we're a little guy. Thanks for having us on the show. And uh, you have so many cool, huge artists. I know we're kind of left of center for what you guys oh, do. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, it's cool to be on the show. So thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we like to have all, all types of musicians on, on the show. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's cool because, it, you know, the show started as kind of more of a, a, a kind of gear centric show, kind of. And um, it's fun when someone is utilizing you know looping and 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 all the pedals and all the textures and the tunings and that's that's a rig you know that's a that's a thing you know and that's 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 uh um that's something to talk about you know that's what's right. cool about the metal community whether it be doom or death metal or whatever flavor of independent metal they're all gearheads they they want yeah. the real shit they, yeah. they want to have it's not just a look. It's you. You have to sound great, like, and it's yeah. People care. Well, like, it's not just plug into fifty one fifty with a two screamer. It's not that. No. Fans really care about the cumulative effect of like the tone wood, the pickups, the string gauge, each pick, each pedal, the amps, the speakers. Like these guys are like coarse sniffing metalheads, but when done properly, it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. Most of their sound like. If you've not seen Sun Live, like seeing Sun Live is such an amazing experience. Like you should have them on the show, actually. But those guys, it's just it's outstanding what they're doing with amplifiers. It's such volume. It's it, it, but anyway, heavy metal is there's a whole culture of people who's obsessed with gear. And it's cool. always has been in, in, yeah. in a lot of respects, even even from when I was a kid. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, it's still very like very much alive in different uh genres of metal but yeah it, it's it's cool it's cool to see it living on in different versions you know yeah yeah That's well cool. great oh we got one last super oh. chat you jumped in right before we uh he just said tremendous show oh thanks taylor thank you appreciate it uh you know it was great to be back and i uh, hope everybody has a great weekend um our next guest is uh howard kaplan um who uh worked at evh gear nice. and and howard was there uh, and evh gear yeah fender and evh gear they're one of their uh designers or head designers uh so he recently retired james brown uh took his place over at fender but howard recently retired so we're going to talk to to Howard, I know he's doing some things on the side. It'd be great to hear about his career. So, um, and with that, uh, hang on while we say goodbye, Mike, um, offline, real quick. Sure. But again, thanks so much for for joining. Yeah, thank you. Have yeah, a great, great weekend. Was, and, uh, we'll be back next week, next Friday. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Guys.